is the Adam Crowley Show. Enough. I'm putting these back in my pants. They're mine. This is crazy. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And I mean that, too. Welcome to the Adam Crowley Show. Once again, getting an upgrade and a host. Rob Rossi here. I was just on this show yesterday. And by the way, I should add that I did all the talking in my segment yesterday with Adam. So I really feel like he's getting more than a bang for his buck. But I am with you until 7, and I am live from Sensi's. in Wexford, stop down, great food, great drink deals on $1 off for happy hour, I believe. And we've also got some Bud Light specials, so come down and enjoy it. There's a bit of a crowd here. Kind uh, woman posed for a picture for with me and did not uh, break her eye machine while taking it. She called me this generation's Bob Smizek, which I took as a great compliment. Uh, Maybe I won't uh, live or live up to the disdain that Bob always uh, had generate uh, from the fan base, but I will try. And that's where I'm going to start today here on ESPN Pittsburgh. You can call us at 412-922-2874. We get some great guests lined up. Uh, in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk some Penguins hockey with Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. And we'll check in with Will Graves of the Associated Press, who will be coming to us live from PPG Paints Arena, where they are playing round two of the NCAA tournament. I know you think it's round one, but they call it round two. So forget you, I guess. Uh, And then in the 6 o'clock hour, we will talk with Mike Kazaza uh, from 24-7 Sports. Mike covers West Virginia Mountaineers, who are really the only local team in the tournament, and they're out in San Diego, so Mike's going to join us. Uh, They play tomorrow, but figured I had to get a WVU guy on, because I'm a WVU guy, and also Adam Crowley went to WVU. It's his show, so I should do that. But you can call in, especially if you're at the tournament or going to the evening games, 412-922-2874. So last night, I was at an establishment in the South Side, and I ran into a bunch of fans who had come in for the NCAA tournament. And I'm always interested when the tournament comes to Pittsburgh on what the environment's going to be like. And this year is particularly enticing because the best games, clearly, of round two, the best matchups, when you look at it on paper, are the ones in Pittsburgh. And you already saw that, right? Uh, Arguably... The most interesting player in the tournament lasted all of one game, but that was in the early game, right? Oklahoma gets bounced. And it kind of shows you that what this NCAA committee really does, they don't really think about it from you know major conferences and mid-majors. What they really think about it of as... Can we supply these sites with compelling matchups? And this year, Pittsburgh, you've been very fortunate. You've been given a mix of great matchups. The Rhode Island-Oklahoma game was a great matchup. Or historic teams. You look at Duke playing right now. 
So if you're at the games today, you're really in for a treat for college basketball. And as I was talking to some people last night, Virginia Tech fans who were in town, and look, it takes a lot for me to speak to a Virginia Tech fan and not say inappropriate things to them. You get the sense that fans come to these games with two thoughts in mind. One, we want to see our team win. And then two, do we want to stick around when our team's not playing? Do they want to try to pass off that ticket, you know, that opportunity to go to the afternoon if your team's in the morning and lose, or the, you know, the evening uh, if your team's in the afternoon and loses? So the NCAA tournament is an interesting spectator event. You can go there as a casual fan of the sport and take in four games on the first day and, and really overdose on college basketball. You can go there as just a fan of events. You don't have to know anything about this tournament or the field or the teams in Pittsburgh to go there and enjoy this event. Or you can really be a diehard fan of a school you attended or just a fan of a team. You know, there's going to be a lot of people there there, there right now who just like the Duke Blue Devils or who just hate the Duke Blue Devils, right? And I think in getting a team like Duke, right, getting a team like Villanova, you know, you have local ties with Villanova somewhat, you know, a team in the state. But with Duke, I mean, could you ask for a better tournament team? Because Duke's one of those teams, much like the Penguins and the Steelers locally, that nationally they are beloved or loathed. There's not a lot of middle ground on Duke. People don't usually watch Duke and have no feeling whatsoever. And I think the reason Pittsburgh's been given such a great schedule of matchups, both in terms of the com- competition with the games, but also the marquee nature of the teams, is because Pittsburgh has proven itself now to be one of the better NCAA tournament cities. Think about this. We are getting this tournament every three years now. I mean, we're in the rotation. And I get people say all the time to me, wouldn't it be great if Pittsburgh could get the second weekend? And I'm like, are you nuts? This is the weekend to get. You get more games. You get that second weekend, you get three games. Now, you might get better teams, but here's the thing. You might not. And that's where I want to begin today. Now, somebody asked me when I was here, why don't you go to the NCAA tournament? Why are you hosting the show today? And, you know, first of all, I make more money doing this. I'm all about taking care of myself. But here's the other thing. I don't like this tournament. I don't fill out a bracket. I don't really watch what's going on, and here's why. I don't think there's any sport in North America with a more ridiculous way to determine its champion than the NCAA tournament. And I know, I know, you're all out there listening. Rossi, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Think about this. How many teams get into this tournament that are truly deserving? All right. We can, we can look at that and say there are automatic qualifiers, and I'm fine with that. But half this tournament field isn't automatic qualifiers. They're at large bits. Now, you're going to say, Rossi, but, you know, a team has to win 
okay? And a team has to win six games to win the national championship. And that's true. Except that some teams would have to win seven. So, really, let's start with any tournament right now. Any tournament that's out there. Shouldn't you really want an even playing field? And this isn't an even playing field. Some of these teams that are going to be playing tonight and tomorrow, they had to play just a couple of days ago. Now, you might say, well, that's a you know, disadvantage. It might be an advantage. Every year since we've had these play-in games, one of those teams has won. And what happens when that happens? A higher-seeded team loses. And you all love the upsets. Everybody loves the upsets, the bracket busters. And that's great. Until you get to that second weekend and good teams aren't around. Because as we get deeper and deeper into this tournament, we realize it's actually not set up for the best teams to advance. Here's why. What do you get for getting an automatic bid? An automatic qualifying bid. What do you get? You don't get to play at home. You might get to play close to home. North Carolina is playing in Charlotte. But you don't get to play a home game. Is it really an advantage? If you're the fourth one seed, you're in a bracket with the highest seeded two seed. How's that fair? What I don't like about this NCAA tournament is that, to me, it isn't set up for the best team to really win. It's set up for the best team not to win. No other sport is like that. In any other sport, with the exception of college football, and let's face it, you can't really qualify that because in its existence, college football has always crowned a mythical champion. It's always either been voted upon or computers determining who plays for the national championship, or now a committee deciding who the four best teams are. So I'll throw college football out there. It's a mythical championship. Every year that there's a national champion in college football, there's another team for the most part that can claim that they were deserving. But in this tournament, it's the illusion of earning your championship. But it's just that. Because Kansas isn't playing its first two rounds in Kansas, not in the Naismith Gymnasium, right? Think about this. The one seeds get to stay close to home, but so do the two seeds. So what's the advantage of being a one seed? You don't really get home games, and shouldn't, if you are one of the top four seeds, shouldn't you have an overwhelming advantage? Shouldn't those games be played in your gym? Same with a two-seed, right? You're talking about the top eight teams in a tournament that, what, invites 68 teams, right? So shouldn't the top two seeds get the first two rounds in their home gym? Wouldn't that be more of an advantage to actually get a home court advantage? Why are teams playing in Pittsburgh this weekend? Why are they playing in Dallas? Why aren't they playing in Villanova's gym? Why isn't North Carolina, instead of playing in Charlotte, playing in Chapel Hill? 
That would be a way for the NCAA tournament to really be set up for the best teams to win because you'd have to win two home games to get to the Sweet 16. And if you want to start doing neutral courts there, I'm fine with that. But now you're asking higher-seeded teams to play on neutral courts at the very beginning, which gives somewhat of an advantage to the lower-seeded team. And you're asking some of these higher-seeded teams to play a team that has just played a couple of days ago as opposed to, what if you lost early in your conference tournament and you've been off for a full week? So now in a one-game situation, you might have the rust. So this tournament is not set up for the best team to win. It's not actually set up for the best teams to survive the first weekend. Because here's what happens at these neutral sites, with the exception of North Carolina, right? With the exception of North Carolina and Charlotte. Here's what's going to happen at these neutral sites. If the one or two seed is losing, the crowd that's there is going to be behind the underdog. Nobody cheers for the favorite. That's the New England Patriots. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers. People love the underdogs. So how's that fair? Now you're a top seed and you're in a game in round two and they're cheering. The crowd's against you. So no, I don't like this tournament. And it's not because upsets happen and deny me the opportunity to see the best teams compete against one another. It's because it is not set up structurally to reward excellence in the regular season. And if you're not going to really reward the eight best teams out of a 300 and whatever team grouping that is Division I NCAA basketball, if the top eight teams can't get a significant reward in the tournament to decide the national championship, then why the hell are we playing the regular season? Why the hell do we play the conference schedules? Why don't teams just schedule whatever they want to do and have the conference tournaments basically be three-week affairs of round robins? Why do we go through the conference portion of a schedule if there's no real reward? Now, you look at the tournament that gets it right when it comes to being set up for the best teams to advance early rewarding the higher-seeded teams, it's actually the NIT. Think about that. If you're the one or two seed playing in the NIT, you're playing at home those first couple games. And that's the way it should be in the NCAA tournament. And so to bring this back to Pittsburgh, the places like Pittsburgh should be hosting the second weekend. That's where the neutral court should be. But I guarantee you, if in the game that's going on right now, between Duke and I believe it's Iona. The longer Iona stays in that game, if Iona pulls even or even would take a lead, this isn't a fair game for Duke. It's 53-39 at the half. Let's say Iona cuts it to 53-49 at the beginning of this second half, right? I don't think that's going to happen, but let's say. You think Iona's going to be the team that has the home court, or do you think it's going to be Duke? I don't like this tournament because it's not really set up for the best teams to win. And you can't say that about the National Hockey League. You can't say that about 
the NBA, and you can't say that about the NFL. And those are the tournaments we all love, right? Just something to think about. 412-922-2874. 412-922-2874 is the number to call in. I want to know what you think. Are you a fan of the NCAA tournament just because you like watching the games? Or have you ever thought about how unfair it really is for the top-seeded teams on the opening weekend? Or we can talk about the Penguins' bad loss last night, talk about the Steelers in free agency. We can go into any of these subjects. But when we come back, we'll take your calls. And I'll have a little bit of thought, more on the NCAA tournament, but also what we might be seeing in free agency with the Steelers. This is the Adam Crowley Show. We are live from Sensi's in Wexford. You are listening to ESPN Pittsburgh. Yeah, my personal record book. If this makes Pittsburgh, the Steelers, the fans of the Steelers, you, if it makes everyone feel better, in my own personal record book, uh, the Steelers won that game, the Patriots lost, and that means the Steelers are on track to be the one seed in the AFC. <laughs> the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Welcome back. Adam Crowley Show. Adam Crowley's not here. I'm Rob Rossi. Coming to you live from Sensi's here in Wexford. Get down here, get some good food, get a seat at the bar, watch some college basketball from tonight through tonight, I guess. We'll have games going right to around midnight. Get some drink specials, some Bud Light specials. But also, they got some happy hour deals here. So you'll want to take it in. Some free agent news. I know you've all been waiting for that big Steelers signing. Well... Here it is, the huge one. And I mean, you've been waiting for this, Pittsburgh, Steeler Nation. I mean, this to me is the one that's going to make sure the Steelers finally get over the playoff hump and get back to the Super Bowl. They've added a running back. I know it's been a long time. They've been talking about it. It's been something that everybody's been talking about. This name has been on the tip of your tongue. It's been in the news. I'm joking. Fitzgerald Toussaint to a one-year deal for the Steelers. Yeah, yeah, you thought maybe. All right, so let's, let's look at free agency here. Listen to ESPN Pittsburgh. Tournament's going on. A lot of people have the games. I want to talk a little bit about free agency. So, so there is some good news for the Steelers today. Jordy Nelson, who was cut by the Packers yesterday, signing with the Raiders, it looks like. Why is that good news? He's not signing with the Patriots. Anybody that doesn't sign with the Patriots at this point, that's a good non-signing for the Steelers. Now, the Steelers don't have a lot of cap room. They're going to be hard-pressed to be players in free agency, which is a shame because there's a safety out there that would be the perfect fit for them, a playmaking safety the likes of which they've not had since Troy Palomalu that could really change the entire nature of this defense. But there's also been... Some, um, of course, I'm talking about the Honey Badger. But there's also been some really good inside linebackers available that the Steelers can't get in on because they're up against the cap. One of the reasons they're up against the cap, the $14 million they're committing against the cap to Le'Veon Bell. And I'm here to tell you, I think this is a mistake. I think the worst thing for the Steelers right now is bringing back Lev Bell 
on this one-year tag. This one-year $14-plus-million-dollar hit, right? This kills them against the cap. It almost guarantees that they're a one-and-done with Lev Bell. And it doesn't allow them to improve in areas where they need. And by the way, they don't need him, which is not to suggest he's not great, because he is. But for about $9 million, they could probably commit to two running backs. They could give them approximately what Le'Veon Bell does in the running game. Now, would they be lesser in a passing attack? Yeah, but with the maturation of Juju, with another year of Martavis Bryant, and with Antonio Brown, the best receiver in Steelers history, I still like their passing attack. And by the way, they can maybe use some of that money on a linebacker, maybe on a safety. Maybe you get one back, take your chances, and try to figure out a way to get a pass-catching tight end in here. I know they've been trying to do that since Ethan Miller left, but I'm just saying there are other needs. And this Lev Bell thing, its this they're not going to get a deal. Does anybody believe they're going to get a deal? Does anybody really think this ends with Le'Veon Bell signing a long-term? Why would you? If you're Le'Veon Bell. Look at what has happened in the NFL. Guys have played out their tag years, become unrestricted free agents, and then got monster guaranteed money. Now, sure, that's a bet on a risk, right? Because the risk is you might be injured. But if you believe in yourself, and obviously Lev Bell thinks he's going to free agency next year anyway, right? I don't know. I mean, I guess this is the question I want to know from Steeler fans. Or at least the answer to the question. Are you more of the thought that s- keeping Le'Veon Bell for one more year on this franchise tag salary of 14 plus, are you more of the thought that that puts the Steelers in position to get to the Super Bowl? Or to not pay Lev Bell that, and to take that $14 million and try to spread it around. Now, you're not going to get a running back who is as adept at Le'Veon Bell is in both facets of the game, running the football and receiving. You're not going to get a guy as good as Le'Veon Bell, but you might be able to get a serviceable running back and upgrade where you have needs at safety and an inside linebacker. I mean, sure, Lev Bell helped keep the Steelers close with Jacksonville last year, but I don't like in their offensive chances anyway in that game. Does anybody think this defense is ready to go? Now, the Steelers obviously have this idea in mind that they're better off going with this heavy dose of stars, but I just don't see that it's working. How many times are you going to beat your head against the same door? And this $14 million that they have to commit to the cap for Le'Veon Bell right now, look at the other running backs that are getting paid. He's making $6 million against the cap more than the next running back. I don't know what $6 million gets you in the NFL. But it probably gets you one player somewhere else where 
you could upgrade. It might get you into a conversation with a guy who's been released that you weren't expecting to be released who might be willing to join you on a one-year deal at some sort of a discount because he wants to play in a town where defense matters, where they have a winning tradition, where they have a shot at the Super Bowl, and the Steelers aren't really in contention for those guys. Now look, they had questions in the secondary last year and ends up, end up getting Joe Hayden right before the season starts. So it can work. Some of these guys that are signing one-year deals are going to end up being cut in training camp. But make no mistake, your roster is basically set coming out of free agency now. You're going to have some guys in the draft, but the days of going to camp and having guys make the team, playing their way onto the team, those days are gone. You pretty much know who your 53-man roster, with the exception of maybe at maximum five players. And what are we talking about? Five players? And the Steelers aren't in a position to upgrade, to be players in this market, because right now they're trying to restructure just to get close enough to the cap now to fill in some holes, some depth, right? And it's because of that $14 million they got to commit to Lev Bell. This isn't a knock on Lev Bell as a player. This isn't a knock on him as a person. I, I hope he gets his money. I hope everybody gets their money in that sport, because let's face it, they stop paying you as soon as you're not worth it to them in their eyes. And sometimes you can be worth it and they're going to stop paying anyway. But my point is, I don't see this as being a situation with Le'Veon Bell where it serves the Steelers any good right now to bring him back for one more year. Do you disagree with me? Can you make an argument to me right now that bringing back Lev Bell on a one-year deal at $14 million plus benefits the Steelers. Because I don't see it. I've looked at this from every which way, and I don't see it. He wants to hit the open market. He's either going to do that next year or now. I just as soon let him go and look at the loss of it as you. And people say, well, you can't let him go for nothing, right? Can't you? Can't you let him go for nothing? There's only so many teams that can pay him what he wants, right? And, yeah, he's great, but how many teams is he going to go to where his top receiver is Antonio Brown and his quarterback's Ben Roethlisberger? So chances are he's going to go to a team where he's going to have to be even more of a focal point of the offense. And, again, he's great, but I'd be willing to take my chances to spread that money out and to try to, if nothing else, bolster depth, but also fill some tangible needs. You have needs right now. Whatever you thought of Mike Mitchell, he was your starting safety. And Lawrence, Lawrence Timmons, I don't think you want to bring him back to be your inside linebacker, do you? So you wanna, you, you'd like to be able to be in play for one of these inside linebackers to replace Ryan Shazier. And I just, I don't know. I think the Steelers' best chance at winning the Super Bowl next year of getting to the Super Bowl is to let Lev Bell go. But they're stuck in this spot now unless they rescind the tag. So where are you at on this? Again, 412-922-2874 is the number to call on ESPN Pittsburgh. I am Rob Rossi. Anthony, you're on the line. Where are you at with Lev Bell? 
We've got Anthony on the line here. Well, as soon as we get Anthony on the line, he's called in. So, uh, Anthony, if you're hearing me and you want to chime in when, as soon as you want to, I'm just going to keep talking. But, you know, I just don't think with the Le'Veon Bell situation that the Steelers are in a great position to get to the Super Bowl with the way the situation's playing out right now. It's just the business part of it, right? You look at teams that are cutting players right now, some players that weren't anticipated to be released from their contracts, and the Steelers are not in position to negotiate with these types of players because they don't have the cap space. They are doing everything they can right now just to get under the cap. To give themselves a chance to add depth guys, right? I mean, the best thing about the NFL these days is that this offseason is compelling. This offseason, these first couple days of free agency, I mean, we've already had 40-plus players sign one-year contracts. We've had over 120 players sign deals already, okay? And the Steelers really aren't in the mix for any of these guys. I'm not saying they have to go out and get the best guy, but wouldn't it be great if they could go after the Honey Badger? If they could at least bring him in and say, hey, look, we can't pay you the most, but, um, you know, you can join a pretty good thing here. We matter. We're a marquee franchise. Football matters in our town. You can be the missing piece to get the Steelers' defense back to being what it should be. Okay? They can't have that conversation because they can't pay him. It's a salary cap. It means it's a hard line. You only got so many options. And they're paying huge money to several players. And they're paying $14 million against that capital player that wants to test his worth on the market. He wants to set a new bar for running backs. I mean, let me ask you this. Take away the history of the situation... If you could bring LeGarrett Blunt in on a one-year deal at like $2 million and go out and address your needs at linebacker and safety with the rest of the $12 million that you'd be paying to Le'Veon Bell, would you be worse off if you were the Steelers? Draft a running back? Go with a backfield of LeGarrett Blunt, James Conner, and some third round back? Are you going to be that much worse off? Now, obviously, in this situation, you're keeping Martavis Bryant for the year. You're anticipating Juju coming back and being even better in year two, and Antonio Brown's going to do what Antonio Brown does. But if you had that $12 million to go out and become better at inside linebacker, become better at safety, aren't you in that situation better suited to get to the Super Bowl. Can't do that. They're in a real bind here. And I know they've got until what? June to get this deal done with Lev Bell. But to me, the deal 
the time to get it done was before free agency. I know, that goes counter to what everybody's thinking because everybody has been saying that's when there's urgency. I, to me, it's too late now. Because he's not signing for a deal that counts $9 million against the cap. He wants that $14 million now. And the Steelers just can't afford to pay that much to Lev Bell and have a team that can win. They just can't. Not the way we're used to seeing them win. Not the way they talk about themselves winning. They talk about the standard being the standard. So let me ask you this question, Steeler Nation. Where is the standard in paying that much money to Lev Bell? All right, if you're on the line, hold. I'll get to you coming out of the next break. 412-922-2874. Stay on the line. We'll get to you coming out of the next break. I'm Rob Rossi. This is ESPN Pittsburgh. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Wow, wow, is very nice. ESPN Pittsburgh on 970 AM and 106.3 FM. All right, Rousey's in for Crowley on the Adam Crowley Show. We're here in Wexford, Sensi's. It's the place to be to watch some tournament action. They got them on all the screens at the bar. Get some pizza pie, some good food, Bud Light drink specials. They got a happy hour coming up. So, hey, have some fun here. They got the games from Pittsburgh on, the games from Dallas on. Games go until midnight tonight. Number to call in here on ESPN Pittsburgh is 412-922-2874. And let's take the first caller of the day. We've been talking Lev Bell. My contention, the Steelers are in a bad spot right now because they have to pay Lev Bell this $14 because I don't think he's signing a deal, and that's really hurting them from doing some things in free agency. Fredo, you're up, man. What's going on? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I couldn't be better if you hit me in the back of the head with a rake. Well, I don't want to do that. A little early. Yeah, it'd be tough to do on the radio, too. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about the state of the Steelers in regards to Le'Veon Bell. Uh, what they've been doing in the past to Ben Brown Bell, it hasn't worked. And what you saw in the Jacksonville game screams for changes. Changes. Because I see more of this next year. Um, and there's clearly, everyone talked about, talked about them as a Super Bowl contender. There's five or six teams. They, I think they dropped off of that. They're like maybe a playoff team at this point. There's Who do you think's ahead of them in the AFC other than New England and Jacksonville? New England, Jacksonville gets beat them pretty good. How about the NFC? You got uh, Philly. You got uh, the Rams. Well, right, but I'm saying to be a Super Bowl contender, you got to get there, right? So, I'm, and I mean this, I don't know. I mean, do you see a team in the AFC beside New England and Jacksonville right now that you well, think is, is better? Is better? Uh, well, I haven't studied that closely, but that's you know that puts you third right. in the pecking order right off the bat. Right, absolutely. You're in your own Right. So here's my question for you, Fredo, and I, I mean this because I'm torn on this because, look, the only reason they were in that game against Jacksonville is because their three great players almost willed the Steelers back into that, right? Bell Brown and Roethlisberger. And you can say, yeah, Ben had the strip sack and that, but basically their individual brilliance made that a contest because the defense was so bad. But would the defense have been as bad if they had better players? And you can't get better players in free agency by paying all the money to three guys. I agree 100% with that. Yeah. It's a tough spot. 
they they threw their three players great, but the, their defense put them in such a huge hole. Right. And they just so are you okay with them? The offense made a, like a, made a comeback. They didn't stop anybody on third down. All right, Fredo, so let me ask you this question, and I don't disagree with you, and I appreciate the call, but let me ask you this question. Would you be okay with them rescinding the tag, letting him walk, and using that money to try to upgrade at those other positions? You get nothing for him, but you'd be okay with that. I would. I, think All you right. would, I don't think you get that money anywhere unless, you know, he goes to mm-hmm. – an Indy Colts team where he, like you, like you said, he carries the major majority of load, gets all the right. attention, and you know doesn't win. Right. Interesting. Okay. All right, Fredo. Thanks for the call. All That's right. the question. Uh, if you're a Steeler fan out there, look, there's a hundred million of you. Would you be okay with rescinding the tag, letting Le'Veon Bell walk, and using that money to upgrade, or at least to put yourself in the mix to upgrade at safety and at inside linebacker? Are you, if the trade-off would be Le'Veon Bell walking, but the Steelers could add the Honey Badger, would you be okay with that? 412-922-2874 is the number to call here on the Adam Crowley Show. I'm Rob Rossi. Follow me on Twitter at real underscore Rob Rossi. Hunter in West Virginia. You're up, my friend. Go ahead. Hey, um, I, I actually completely disagree. All um, right, you, make your case. Uh, it's, it's, and it's respectful. I, I understand the the addition by subtraction, free up some space. Um, but the if if Lev leaves, um, and we lose Hunter. Um, then I think our defense is fringe. It's probably around top seven, um, and. But with no running back, that's a worse spot than we were in in the 2012 years when we were struggling to win the division. Okay, um, but what if you I could would, significantly improve the defense and then, like I said, what what if there's a scenario out there where you can sign an NFL-caliber running back on a one-year deal, but you're not paying him a ton, you got, you got Connor, and then you draft a guy in the third mm-hmm. round and you can go a little bit more by committee, which, by the way, Philly did that. Philly did that with Jay Ajayi, and well, that, but that that caliber that caliber guy is not out there. Oh, it's, that caliber guy was was available for a trade in the regular season, and I, the Steelers really couldn't even do that because of the cap space. What if you kept your cap space open to see who was available after training camps? I, I my 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 thought is is with our with our young guys on defense, obviously not having um, Shazier really hurts, and and there's right. a hole without Mitchell. Um, but you don't get rid of a top ten player when you have him. Uh, yeah, you you lose you lose, you're right. You can't replace him, and I agree with that, Hunter. By the way, Hunter, are you a Mountaineer fan? Uh, no, I'm a oh. Virginia Tech fan. So. Oh, Hunter, and I can't. Believe, you should have opened with that. I, there's so many of you in town this week. So I, I, I'm actually I, I'm I'm actually down in Virginia. I wish I was up in up in Pittsburgh or down in Charlotte or, or somewhere watching watching the games live. Well, but. you could you could still get here. It's not that far um, of a drive. I, you know, I, I could, I could, but um, I have a, I have a test at ten forty-five. Oh, okay. Well, listen, so. you, you got to concentrate on the important things, and I appreciate the call, Hunter. Thanks for that. Thank you. Uh, those hokies. <laughs> All right. No, look, he raises a good point. There's nobody you get to replace Le'Veon Bell that's in the league of Le'Veon Bell, right? That, that's, but is that really the discussion? By the way, they just showed a great shot on television of the court um, 
It was sort of like the foul line view in at PPG Paints Arena. Man, does this court look good this year with the Duquesne colors. My only problem is there's just this little Duquesne logo in like the corner of each uh, baseline. And it, it, it doesn't really do a whole lot for Duquesne branding, right? Like we got this giant March Madness logo with the brackets built in. There was a uh, guy last night that was routinely shooting threes in the Syracuse game from the bracket part of the logo in Dayton. They need to do something in basketball. These three-point shots are way too easy for everybody to make. They either need to, like, extend the line out further from the key, because you can't go much further on the sides, but this guy's missing a shoe. This is fantastic. Maybe this is the part of the NCAA tournament I like. Guys lose their shoe. But, listen, all I'm saying is if you're Duquesne and you bring the tournament here, you deserve a logo a little bit bigger than the, you know, little teensy one on the side. But the, the, the court looks great. The court looks great, does it not? It's, it's a great-looking court. Nodding your head. You can jump in here. <laughs> the court looks great. The court looks, it looks great. It's See? outstanding. Yes. It's stealing the show, honestly. It, it is. And to be honest, it looks even better based when it's framed by all the empty seats that are in the first couple of rows. Um, maybe Duke isn't the draw that we think. By the way, Penguins. Uh, the Penguins need to get on this. They need to change those, like, pasty brown mustard seats, the ones that they were in there when the arena was built. Penguins now have the Pittsburgh gold, and they need to put those seats in Pittsburgh gold colors now. And I know you're, you're thinking, Rob, who the hell? First of all, Rob, you're colorblind. Who in the heck cares about these seats? Well, I bring this up because today, in 1899, Pittsburgh officially adopted the colors of black and gold as a city. And as you know, we are the only city that has all of its professional teams wear the same color, which either says a lot or very little about us. I like to think that it says that we're economic because you can buy a black shirt with something gold and wear it to any team. Skate. Think about if you live in New York and those teams are all wearing different colors all the, day, all the time. And the trash on the streets. And you got the, the Mets and the Jets. I guess the Jets are in New Jersey. But still, I mean, you get the point. All right, 412-922-2874. What do you think the Steelers should do with Lev Bell? We got Richard in Wheeling. It's a West Virginia type of day. Although we actually, I think Hunter was in Virginia. So, so Richard, you're my first West Virginia guest. Are you a Mountaineers fan? Well, I certainly am. Well, thank you, Richard, then. We're, we'll give you the floor. All right, what do you want to talk about, my friend? Well, I talk about what you've been talking about, Olivia and Bell. You know, something I wanted to ask is, what makes him stand up? What makes him such a uh, high-profile uh, love receiver, running back? Why is he Why is he better than most of the rest? What does he do? Well, I mean, I think the fact that he leads the NFL in yards from scrimmage per game in an average of the last three years. Um, he is the best runner that ha adds receiving to his arsenal. I mean, he's essentially a number two receiver and a number one running back. So, I oh, mean, I'm sorry? Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, so look, I understand why he wants to be paid more than anybody else. He does more than anybody else. I don't know if he's the best running back, 
but he's the best runner in combination with a receiver, and there's some value to that, and I appreciate the call, Richard. And, and here's the thing. If you think about Lev Bell, if you think about Lev Bell, one of the things with him is he's added an element the Steelers really haven't had. They haven't had too many running backs in their history who have been threats to catch the ball out of the backfield, right? I mean, if you think about the Steelers' long and storied history of runners, they've mostly been guys that are guys you hand the ball off to. Now, there are some big moments in Steelers' history. You know, Franco Harris caught some big passes. You see a guy like Willie Parker in the wild card game against Cincinnati catching a bit. But mostly they've got guys that have been running backs who run the ball. Lev Bell is, look, he's basically saying, I'm a number one running back and a number two receiver, and I want to be paid like it. I can't argue with that. My argument is the Steelers aren't going to pay him like that long term, and that's what he wants. So aren't we just sort of playing out the string here? I mean, to me, this is a marriage that we should call, call right now. This ain't working. This isn't going to last more than one more year, so why are we kidding ourselves? Maybe make yourself happier now by being more of a contender by adding pieces elsewhere for what you could be paying Lev Bell. And I'm not saying, by the way, that the Steelers shouldn't commit $14 million a year on a long-term deal to Lev Bell. I'm just saying I don't think they're going to, so what's the point of this? It's just sort of like wasting time, you know? It's like the final couple years of Friends, right? You knew Ross and Rachel were going to get together. They were trying to build up suspense with all these ridiculous plot lines, but at the end, you knew Ross and Rachel were going to get together, so we were just kind of wasting our time, okay? Yes, I just made that comparison. 412-922-2874. 412-922-2874. Call. We can still talk Le'Veon Bell, talk a little NCAA tournament. Also talk a little bit of hockey next hour. And we'll get into that here live from Sensi's. Come down, Bud Light drink specials, some great food. People at the bar ordering some apps. They look good. Uh, send some apps our way. Come on, we'll eat. All right. Sensi's in Wexford. The Adam Crowley Show. I'm Rob Rossi. In for Adam Crowley. This is ESPN Pittsburgh. 